0: I'm Nick Newton, joined by Will Miles. Welcome to Stand Up and Holler. On this episode, the Stand Up and Holler NFL Draft Special. We will cover the draft from top to bottom with the Florida Gators here. Richardson leads the way early. Ventro Miller kicks off day three. Gator alum Howie Roseman. It's just stacking up bulldogs in Philly. He had something to say about that this weekend, and we'll wrap up evaluating the conference breakdowns, plus a few interesting ties to the recruiting uh, with the with recruiting and the NFL draft from Will Miles himself. Will, how's it going tonight, man? It's going
1: well, dude. Obviously, you and I are coming down to the closing stretch of the magazine, so that's been taking up a lot of our time. Uh, not as much content up on the website because we're busy writing for this thing behind the scenes, but uh, we're excited to put this thing out. We've, we've gotten a really good response from everybody here on YouTube. Um, we are actually extending the, the pre-order time back to May 8th. So we'd originally said May 1st. We've got a little bit more clarity on publication dates. So May 8th, if you go over to readandreaction.com slash MAG, that's readandreaction.com slash MAG, you can get it for a reduced price price is going to go up after May 8th. Um, we'll, we'll have some extra copies, so we'll be able to send those out. But uh, you know, we're, we're going to have to do multiple print runs after May 8th, so we need people to get those orders in. So pre-order before May 8th, get a discount, and uh, get that there right around Memorial Day, which will mean that if you want to give it to your father or you want to give it to somebody for Father's Day, uh, that's a great opportunity there to have it in their hands for summer, all the summer trips people are going on, that sort of stuff. Obviously, there's going to be Transfer Portal stuff going on. We will likely have some sort of digital addendum that we send out to people who order it so don't worry the digital is going to come out on memorial day you'll be or on, on the digital come out on memorial day you'll be able to uh uh to to buy it then if all you want is the digital copy but if you're missing out on some of the content that's in there we will send you the digital version or at least all the updated stuff once uh if you buy the hard copy before then
0: yeah. I mean, well, if we uh, wrote a newspaper every single day, we might not be able to keep up with the transfer portal. All right. That's the I one. I don't know. There hasn't been able to go to
1: the transfer portal recently. So uh needs to pick up a little bit pretty soon.
0: Yeah. 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 So anyway, I'll, I will put the link read and uh, com backslash mag uh, in the, in the uh, description here for the episode. So you'll see that again, the episode, if you want to click on that, it's below in the description. All right, let's move in. Let's jump into the show here. Two bits, Anthony Richardson, As expected, top five draft pick here, the Indianapolis Colts' second-highest quarterback in program history in the NFL draft, the first being, of course, Steve Spurrier, third overall to San Francisco in 1967. There's only been three other first-round Gator quarterbacks, Will. John Reeves, 14th to Philadelphia in 1972, Rex Grossman, 22nd to Chicago in 2003, and Tim Tebow, 25th to Denver in 2010. So Shane Steichen here, the Eagles offensive coordinator last year who worked with Jalen Hurts the last couple of years. Uh, I like the fit, Will, in terms of who he's developed with Hurts here. And during the two seasons as offensive coordinator in Philly, uh, his offense is ranked first in the NFL in rushing yards per game and uh, rushing touchdowns over that time. So it it, it is a system where they're going to run the ball. They're going to be able to use Richardson's running ability. But – One of the things I love about what Indianapolis has done here is that they brought Gardner Minshew in. And Minshew was with Steichen last year in Philadelphia. uh, So he knows the offense. last couple of years, actually, he traded during the Urban Meyer area from Jacksonville to Philly. And after Trevor Lawrence came into Jacksonville there. And uh, Minshew knows that offense, like the back of his hand, I would assume, after two seasons. So it will be Minshew early on, very likely, I would expect. But Minshew, overall, we've seen enough of him to know who he is. He's a guy that can do some work in a spot start, probably a middling to below average starter uh, if you're going to go with him for the whole season. So I do expect to see Richardson at some point this this year. It would be cool to see him in some type of package system with the Colts, but we'll see how that goes early on. But I would expect Richardson to be the starter going into year two. And I think, uh, unfortunately, as a Jags fan will, unfortunately – I do like the fit in Indianapolis. He's not going to be rushed into to starting duty, and he'll get a chance to develop with a guy that has a track record of developing a quarterback with a lot of the similar trait, a lot of similar traits. Uh, maybe maybe Richardson's even an upgraded version in terms of traits from <laughs> Jalen Hurts. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out in Indy.
1: Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. I think Jalen Hurts had a pedigree of winning and a pedigree of playing in big games and a pedigree Mm -hmm. of making big plays when he had the opportunity and was sort of pedestrian in terms of his ability to throw the ball at Alabama and then was really, really good at Oklahoma. We haven't seen that from Anthony Richardson yet. Mm -hmm. Now, part of that is because Richardson hasn't had the same number of starts, right? I mean, you get Jalen Hurts. He comes in, starts as a true freshman, ends up playing in the national championship game that first year, obviously then goes through the battles with, with Tua there at Alabama as well, loses that battle, transfers to Oklahoma, almost wins the Heisman trophy there in Oklahoma. So, you know, look, Anthony Richardson maybe was the front runner for the Heisman after the Utah game, but after that Kentucky game definitely was not. And so, you know, they, they have very different college profiles, I think. What you what you can say, though, is that they have very similar weaknesses in terms of what you think about coming into the league. Coming into the league, the, the knock on Jalen Hurts was accuracy, right? And then the other knock was you're not going to be able to keep a quarterback healthy running an offense like that. And, and Philadelphia ran, they ran a lot of triple option type stuff last year with Hertz where the third option, the pitch that you think of in the Nebraska offenses with Tom Osborne wasn't necessarily a pitch. It was a throwout, you know, a wide receiver screen out to somebody who was wide and had an opportunity to run. So um, look, the Colts don't have a lot of weapons. They weren't great last year. They're not going to be great just because Anthony Richardson comes in. You mentioned Gardner Minshew is probably going to get a bulk of the time. However, I'd be surprised if Anthony Richardson isn't in there starting by like eight, by week eight, nine, or ten, right? By before Thanksgiving, I think Anthony Richardson is going to be taking the reins just because the Colts, in many ways, are going to be kind of playing for that number one pick again, and you know to be able to like really. The best of both worlds would be Richardson comes in, gets experience, kind of has a first year like Peyton Manning. Manning threw a ton of interceptions. I think he threw like 30 interceptions his first year there. But by the time they were done with that year, they knew what they had in Manning, but they still were like three and thirteen or 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 four and twelve or something like that. And then you can trade back for a quarter, you know, there's a quarterback needy team that's gonna want to trade up just like Carolina traded up this year, and you start stockpiling draft picks. And what do you do? Offensive linemen, tight ends, you know, defensive linemen, and you start really sort of um, supplementing what you have there with Anthony Richardson. So look, I would have liked to have seen Richardson go to the Seahawks. That was where I had identified where I thought his best fit would be coming in there behind Geno Smith with Pete Carroll having worked with uh, Russell Wilson and then them being closer to being an elite team, right? Because they made the playoffs last year even with Geno Smith. But You know, with Steichen coming in from the Eagles, having experience with a quarterback with similar skills, but nobody has similar skills to Anthony Richardson. That's the reason he went fourth overall, because it certainly wasn't productivity. So harnessing those skills is going to be Steichen's job. We'll see whether he can do it or not.
0: So I I look at it this way, Will. If he turns Richardson into even, what, 70% of what Hertz was last season, that's going to be a highly successful NFL career. You're going to be well above average starter. Uh, well above average starter if you can become even 70 percent of what Hertz was last season. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think if Hertz doesn't get hurt last year, he wins the MVP, right? So, mm-hmm. so we're not exactly. And he led the Eagles to the
1: Super Bowl and right. was a huge reason why they were in that Super Bowl. I mean, he went toe to toe with Mahomes, had the one turnover on the fumble in the first half that kind of kept Kansas City in it. Um, but other than that, you know, Hertz played great in that game and so and played hurt too. His shoulder was injured in the, during the playoffs as well. So. Look, I think you can do a lot worse than 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 equaling what Jalen Hurts has done in Philadelphia. But I think the other thing you have to realize is that Philadelphia has very special guys on the offensive linemen. Both Kelsey and Lane Johnson are great offensive linemen. They got the offensive linemen from – uh um, from Florida State, who then transferred to Alabama. I can't remember his name, but he's on. he was on the offensive line last year for Philadelphia as well. They have done a really good job of bringing in guys and building that offensive line to where they have a dominant run game. Hurts is part of that dominant run game. Having the extra guy certainly makes a difference. But, look, they have – like that whole Philadelphia team is a complete team or was a complete team last year it's a ways for the Colts to get there, right? The Colts are not a complete team. They were close in a few games last year and and guys like Matt Ryan weren't able to get him over the hump. Certainly guys like uh, Sam Ellinger weren't able to get him over the hump. Anthony Richardson is an upgrade over them. And so, you know, look, I think, Colts fans are going to be really interested to see what they can get. I think Gators fans are going to be really interested in what they can get. I actually grew up in Indianapolis, so I'm not a I'm not a Colts fan. But my brother is. So it's going to be interesting. You know, I sort of gauged his interest and he's like, "Well, I was frustrated watching him last year when he was in Florida." So so, you know, I know what the experience is like and I think it is going to be a little bit of a roller coaster ride to start with. The question will be can he can he get to where he he levels off that roller coaster because the the ceiling is enormous and where that floor is going to settle will be high. It's just going to be a question of what's the deviation from that floor. If he goes out and throws four picks every other week, well, people are going to get frustrated if he goes out and, um, you know, is able to start putting together the kinds of performances we think he's capable of, then he's going to be worth the fourth pick. Look though, I, I think this is an interesting one. Cause somebody asked me at work the other day, whether Richardson was worth it at, I think like nine or 10 was where they were like, if they had fallen, I think he was thinking the Eagles, but he wasn't gonna go to the Eagles, but, but if he yeah, fell to nine yeah, or 10, Would he be worth it? Right. And the answer I had was at nine or 10, you're not getting yourself fired as a general manager. You look at him at 10 and go, that's value for a player of his caliber and of his skill set. It's worth taking the risk there at 4 this is the kind of draft pick that can get you fired if it doesn't turn out right. So um you know new staff in Indianapolis they've they've sort of hitched their wagons to Anthony Richardson which means he's going to get an opportunity to show what he can do. This isn't going to be one of those things where he comes in in the last year of a regime all those guys get fired and then they haven't really bought into him. Um you know that that's kind of what happened to Tim Tebow, right? He gets drafted into into Denver with Josh McDaniels. McDaniels is gone a couple years later and Tebow just never gets a shot once they bring in, you know, obviously they trade for Peyton Manning, but um beyond that, you know, could you have used him in like a fourth down capacity or in a third down capacity and had him run the ball? Uh, sure. And I'm not sure that Tebow is that much worse than Brock Osweiler. So um, you know, I, I think Richardson is going to get a fair shot in Indianapolis. So
0: that's cool. We'll see how it develops. Again, the Jags fan in me was like, Oh, yeah. the Colts. He had to go to the Colts. All right. But good luck to Anthony Richardson. Uh, big time. Uh, good for the program if he goes and excels. It's gonna be good to have. Richardson as that uh, as a face for the Gators out there in the NFL Uh, the second Gator off the board was Jervon Dexter going in the second round 53rd pick to Chicago the Bears invested heavily into the defense they also drafted Tyreek Stevenson from Miami at corner Noel Sewell the linebacker from Oregon and they also took another defensive tackle here in the third round with Zach Pickens from South Carolina so Dexter Figures to be a contributor early on with this Chicago lineup. If you go on to rlads.com, they're already projecting him as a starter on the depth chart for the second year of Matt Eberflus in Chicago. So they need some help up the middle and they're certainly getting it with Dexter. It will be interesting to see how he develops, you know, Florida during his time at Florida, there wasn't a whole lot of help around Dexter up the middle. And we, we saw him, we talked about how we felt like he wore down, as the game went along last year, at times, but he was asked. They, they asked a lot of the guy during his time here, so it'll be interesting to see how he develops in Chicago when he's used uh, probably more in a capacity that can fit what he what he needs to do down to down. Yeah, it's
1: funny that we've talked about Anthony Richardson being a projection. I think Gervon Dexter is a projection as well, right? You're you're sitting there looking at his high school profile, looking at his athletic ability, looking at the 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 time he put on the forty and the other athletic things that he did during the combine, and saying. Yeah, he was on a defense that really didn't give him a whole bunch of help in the SEC. And, you know, he's going to get more help in the NFL. So we expect him to be able to hold his own. Um, you know I think it was Bud Davis did a study on him last year where he looked at him in the first half and he was basically an all SEC level defensive lineman and then in the second half he was below average and you know that sort of goes to what you were saying about him sort of tiring out by the time the game ended and there just weren't enough guys to rotate in so that's going to be the question for Chicago is yeah he might be the starting defensive tackle but you're going to have to be able to give him a blow you're going to have to rotate people in that's not news in the NFL you need to do that if you're every NFL team and so um I think he'll get that opportunity I still think this is probably a little bit high um, in terms of general productivity. There were guys who went around Dexter who had more productivity, but Dexter really, you know, from, from the recruiting ranking to the physical traits and all those sorts of things projects as a guy who can produce like a second round pick um, the bears traded up to get him. So they certainly think that that's, Um, you know, they certainly think that's true. And like I said, the the draft is always about projection. It's not, what did this guy do in college? It's what can he do once we get him in the NFL and in our program. And that's the thing is I think there people look at his physical skills and say, we're going to be able to mold him and make, and have him be really effective at what we're asking him to do because of those physical skills. And so it's worth taking, not a flyer, but it's worth taking a projection in the second round.
0: To Dexter to the Bears in the second round, uh, the another second round pick from Florida here, Osiris Torrance ends up in Buffalo. Will the Jags uh, they trade? They could they could have had Torrance. They could have had him in the second round. That would have been nice. But he slips to the back half of the second round here he'll compete for playing time. I'm not sure he'll start right away because they did sign two guards this off season. They also re-signed a, a guard last off season. So there's definitely some competition there, but you could tell Buffalo wants to address that position. But overall, maybe he won't start immediately, but he'll eventually project to be a starter in the long run here for the Bills. I just think it's a great situation. How could it not be? You're going into one of the best offenses in football right now with a quarterback that's got plenty of, Uh, of time left in his prime here. Yeah, well, I mean, it's
1: funny. As productive as he was being a first-team All-American, unanimous All-American, you sort of assumed he was going to be in like the latter half of the first round where you're sitting there going, you don't take a guard in the top 15 picks, but once you get to 26, 27, 28, Mm -hmm. okay, it's worth taking an offensive lineman who's going to help your running game and going to make sure your quarterback doesn't end up on his back. So for the Bills to get him at 59 overall, I mean, I texted you at the time, like, that's a steal. Like and for as good as that offense is, you know, to be you get you get injuries on the offensive line. That's just the reality. Josh Allen runs a lot. You need to be able to protect Josh Allen. You need to make sure that guys aren't mauling him. And Osiris Torrance is going to be able to help that. So you know, the, the bills just got the best guard in the sec last year by far. And really the best guard in the nation last year, by far it late in the second round that, that, that's a steal. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, going 40th would have surprised me, but, um, you know, I still think that if I had the opportunity to take Osiris Torrance or will Levis, I would have taken Torrance. So, um, you know, he got taken a bunch of bunch of picks below, uh, below Levis about the same amount as everybody thought he would just in a different round. So, uh, yeah, Look, I, I think um, it stinks for Torrance because if he'd have been drafted late in the first round, it's millions and millions more dollars. But uh, he's going to get his opportunity for a second contract, and I think Buffalo's going to put him in a good situation to be able to do that.
0: Now, this this question is a loaded question a little bit here, Will. Were you surprised that Will Levis dropped, not by based on your own evaluation and your own opinion, but based on all the chatter around Levis throughout the entire draft process, including some rumors – couple days leading up to it that he might even go number one uh, were you surprised he fell to, to round two
1: no because all those nfl scouts who were there in the second game of the year last year to watch Anthony richardson fall flat against kentucky saw will levis be just as bad on the other side like i you know i i get it i understand that he's got a cannon but there's more to play in the position than that and you know i, I like th- this is a guy who couldn't beat out Clifford at Penn state and then comes to Kentucky and Kentucky's offense wasn't like great shakes with Will Evans in charge. It's not like they were going up and down the field. Like Kendon Hooker was with, with Tennessee. Now you could say that has to do with Mark Stoops and the offensive coordinators and those sorts of things. Lewis was good. He wasn't fantastic. And so I never understood the first round hype around him. And I think when he played against defenses that were halfway decent, he struggled. So, um, you know, there, there's a lot to like about sort of his physical skills, but um, you know, Like, Richardson projects to be elite, and you overlook the wins and losses because of his special skills. Will Levis has a cannon, but other than that, there's not like this other set of special skills that I see when when I watch him. And, you know, so it's not surprising to me that the NFL sort of looked at it and said, well, you know, Josh Rosen had a cannon, too. And we took him tenth and look how that turned out. And yeah. there there have been a lot of guys who've had big time arms, who've gotten drafted, who haven't panned out. It's a lot more that that's a lot more to the position. Hey, I hope he does well. Right. I, I hope he does. I, I don't want to see anybody fail. All I'm right. not rooting against the only I'm, person I'm rooting against is Will Rogers because you're so you're so high on Will Rogers at, at any given time. But uh um, you know, look, I, I'm not going to be displeased if he proves me right, I suppose, but uh um, you know, I I don't wish ill on anybody. I just don't think he's he's going to be I don't I don't think Will Levis is going to pan out in Tennessee, put it that way.
0: I I have never talked about Will Rogers for the NFL. You you can get that slander out of here, Will. Get that slander <laughs> out of here. I've never mentioned him. I just said college system, man. I thought I thought he was going to do a little better last year than he did. All right. Uh, but keep bringing that up by all means. Mm-hmm. Uh Will Levis to the Titans there. I I ran Carthon, GM for the Tennessee Titans. There, Florida, the old Florida running back under Zuck there. So first draft there for the Titans. So again, another Gator uh, trying to build up a Jags rival here. So let's let's go on to the fourth round, or let's go on to the, the day three here in four bits. Talk about Ventro Miller. Speaking of the Jacksonville Jaguars, so round four, the 121st pick goes to Ventral Miller. The linebacker will, we've seen him overcome injury. This is a guy that seemed to be a great locker room guy throughout his time at Florida, but also... Really stout against the run. Maybe you'd want a little more out of him in coverage, but overall just a steady, solid player for a defense that otherwise struggled uh, throughout times. And, and Miller had his struggles at times too, but there were some games where he, he would just light it up and and be on fire. And there's other games. Uh, you know, I would not encourage people to go watch that Alabama tape from the 2020 SEC championship, for example, but That's why you fall to round four as a pretty solid player, because you have those ups and downs a little bit. I think the Jags are getting a guy that's at least going to be a strong contributor on special teams. And I feel like Miller is going to be the type of guy, as long as he can stay healthy, uh, type of guy who can uh, put together a nice pro career.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. We've been talking about um, Florida's linebackers for years and how they're not very good, especially in coverage. And two years ago with just the massive counters uh, that were you know, time after time after time, eventual Miller wasn't there when they were running the counters because he was injured at the time. But still, mm-hmm. linebacker has just been an area that Florida has not had a ton of talent and has not had a lot of productivity. I think in many ways, though, Dexter going in the second round, Miller here in the fourth, and then a guy we're going to talk about in a second going in the NFL draft says something about what people think about the defensive scheme about Todd Grantham and about Patrick Toney. Hopefully Austin Armstrong's able to turn that around. But, um, you know, uh, what this says to me is that people think Miller has leadership skills. They see his motor when he's out there on the field and they go, he has not been coached in a way that has allowed him to excel and that he didn't have the defensive line in front of him to help him excel and keep the tackles off of or the, the pulling guards off of him. So, um, you know, I, I we will see. We'll see. I, I don't know that he's fast enough to be a three-down linebacker in the NFL, but I don't know that the fourth round you're necessarily looking for a three-down linebacker. There's a role. Looking...
0: There's a role for Miller that fits that he can make work in the NFL.
1: Absolutely. I, yeah. But yeah. I mean, I I guess I look at this and go, with as bad as Florida's defense was last year, should two of their guys in the front seven gone in the top? 121 picks to the draft yeah you, you got a hard time convincing me that that's that that's true that if you've got these guys in there the defense should have been better and it and it just wasn't and so you know we'll see i i have a lot of respect for ventral miller he was one of the guys who got caught up in that credit card scandal early on stayed with the program stayed here took his extra covid year so he is a year older um and then you've got um you know, and and certainly was productive, and that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Is if you look at it, not only are you looking at his skills and his skill set and his projection, this is one where you're not projecting. You're saying he's probably pretty close to a finished product. This is who he is, and if who he is is good enough, we're going to put him out on the field, and we think we think he'll he'll turn out well. So we'll see. I think you know it's all going to be a question of can he can he cover guys in space in the NFL because that was always an issue at Florida. But was that scheme or was that Ventrell Miller? We're going to find out.
0: Yeah. By the way, the credit card scandal you're referring to was back in the Jim McWayne days. So if you want to know how long Ventro Miller's been around Gainesville, that feels like a good decade ago. So that's that's multiple coaching regimes there for Miller. So uh, best of luck going to the fourth round of the Jacksonville Jaguars here next off the board. Justin Shorter, fifth round, 150th pick to the Buffalo Bills. Hey, the Bills picked up. Uh, that's this isn't their last Gator. They they must have liked what they saw here out of Florida. Uh, shorter again not necessarily blazing speed but we've always said the body type no doubt of the body type for an nfl receiver certainly a guy that that could have a role in the in the red zone you could definitely see him being the type of guy that uh goes up there and gets a a few touchdown passes every season there from josh allen will Yeah, I mean, look, he he was effective last year. He was much more explosive last
1: year than he was the year before. He just really couldn't stay healthy this past year, and so that impacted how productive he could be. But you think about the opening play against LSU. Everybody's going to remember that. Um, He's the only guy who you could throw to on the outside. There was that fourth and one against Tennessee where they threw down the sideline, and he jumped over the corner and was able to get it. So you know he has some athletic ability. He has the ability to go up and get the ball. He is a bigger receiver, which is something that you start looking for, right? There are going to be deficiencies in in every receiver, once you get to the fifth round, and so the question is, what are you looking for if you are a team that's that's trying to develop a wide receiver? And you think about the guys that Buffalo has. You know, you got Diggs there at wide receiver. He is not a huge guy who's going up and getting the ball in the red zone. Um, Gabe, uh, I can't can't remember Gabe's uh, last Davis name. From Davis. Gabe, yeah. Dave, Gabe Davis. He he's also not a big guy. He's a burner, right? He's a guy who's going to go get the mm-hmm. ball. They Cole Beasley last year, who's playing in the slot. Justin Shorter is a very different kind of wide receiver, right? And so they've just brought in somebody who can potentially get on the outside, catch back shoulder fades. You think about the ability of of uh, of Josh Allen to fit it into small spaces, and all of a sudden you go, all right, well he doesn't necessarily need to separate. What he needs is Josh Allen to throw it right on his back shoulder, and then for him to have the body, the the agility to contort his body to be able to get that ball and be able to get up over a corner. And, and Shorter's certainly big enough to be able to do that. And if somebody starts playing that back shoulder, does he have have enough speed to then straight line take it deep and can and can uh and, and can Josh hit him. And I think the answer is yes on both of those. And so look, I don't expect him to be a starter next year, but I think a solid oh. depth piece. And how many just catch some...
0: 25 passes or something like that? Maybe three three or four touchdowns type. Yeah, type I think
1: you're probably looking at like 15, but yeah. you know, again, it's somebody who's gonna be able to contribute. And you start thinking about what you're looking for with these guys who come in sort of on the end of the bench. You need guys who are gonna play special teams and a tall guy who can come off the edge is somebody who who has value and so um you're gonna have imperfections in the fifth round and shorter has some but he has a lot of ability as well and so that's what Buffalo's seeing
0: last gator off the board for the draft uh six round pick 203rd pick of the draft to the las vegas raiders we saw Amari bernie go bernie's is a guy that it hey, will they, they they moved him to the linebacker during his career he was a bit all over the place not your prototypical linebacker uh, he's going to be I, I I think he's going to be a great special teams player in the league here but I, I do think that even though he had his ups and downs during his time at Florida this was a guy that that showed up week to week and you could count on to be a productive player i know you could point out some things with bernie but i mean came up with that big play against utah that that'll be forever remembered that interception in the end zone against utah and had some good moments in the orange and blue so amari bernie coming off the uh the board here in the sixth round
1: yeah, Bernie's an older guy, but this is actually, I think, a projection pick as well, right? These are guys. This is a pick where you say this guy hasn't played linebacker for very long, and look at the leap he made from twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two. That he really improved last year. Was he perfect? No, he was not perfect at linebacker last year, but he was a whole lot better last year than he was two years ago. And out of all the, you know, the defense wasn't good last year, but there were a couple of bright spots, and Bernie was one of them. So if I'm if I'm the Raiders, I'm looking at it and I'm going in the sixth round. Again, there are guys who have imperfections, but Bernie. He has some athletic skills that you're not necessarily going to get in the sixth round at the linebacker position. And in many ways, his struggles at linebacker, especially a couple of years ago, had more to do with knowing the position and being instinctual. So the question becomes, do you become instinctual as you get more time there? So even though he's an an older player, hasn't played a ton of snaps at that position, you get him in with the right position coaches studying all the time. Can that start to become more instinctual? And can he start to to excel in that role? I don't know. I mean, that's something where it's like, I think in many ways, linebackers kind of like, quarterback right you'll sit there and look at it and go you know either have it or you don't I think having those instincts or not having those instincts kind of kind of of comes with the territory there but um, again he improved so much from last year to this year you do wonder what's he going to be able to do going to the league and like you said he's going to be able to contribute in special teams that's certainly something you're looking for late in the draft.
0: The rest of the Gators here who are joining NFL rosters were undrafted. Let's start with those safeties, Will. We got Trey Dean going to the Jets and Rashad Torrance going to the Rams. Both these guys ran disappointing uh, 40 times uh in the in the uh, pre-draft process dean had the mvp uh won the mvp on defense at the shrine east west shrine game so for him to go undrafted that's a little bit interesting i i i maybe maybe i should say it's more interesting that he won the mvp at the east west shrine bowl there well but uh dean certainly a guy that seems to have a lot of the physical skills to me when i watch him play uh not not necessarily a guy that's in the right place at the right time at all times uh he put up a lot of numbers on the tackling front and yet there's still some something to be left to des- des- desired there in the tackling there Torrance so I would have thought Torrance would have gotten drafted I'm a little surprised even with the disappointing speed there will I, look we saw Torrance struggle at times too but Torrance just seems like a guy that you can develop a little bit and there there, there should be some type of role for him I am surprised that Torrance went undrafted
1: I mean, I'm not surprised they went undrafted. I'm surprised – I'm not also not surprised they're getting brought in as undrafted free agents. I think you look at guys who have that many snaps in a major school and you go, all right, yeah, these are guys who are worth taking a flyer on. At the same time, I mean, we saw the tape. Like the secondary last year was like Swiss cheese. And, you know, Dean and Torrance were a big part of that, Trevez Johnson as well. And so, um, you know, I I, I think – I don't think Billy Napier and company were like incredibly sad that they've got a lot of turnover at the defensive back position this year heading into 2023. Now, certainly I think, um, you know, they can use all the help they can through the transfer portal through recruiting, all that sort of stuff. But um, you know, look, there were multiple times last year where you'd hear reporters and people who know the game who would say, Florida doesn't really have, doesn't have enough all sec talent or enough sec talent on, on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's what you saw when you saw those 40 times, right? I mean, these are guys who are are effective safeties at a certain level but did not have the athletic ability to keep up. So you make a mistake, you're out of position, and all of a sudden the guy's wide open because you don't have the makeup speed. You see that a lot with some of these elite SEC teams where a guy gets open because of a mistake, but then the throw goes. And if the throw's a little bit short, you have the chance to catch up. And these guys just couldn't catch up. So um, I hope they do well. I hope they're going to catch on. Um, you know, Dean obviously shows out at the Shrine Bowl and ends up MVP of that. And that's great. But, you know, that's still against college guys. When, when you're out there against, uh, you know, when you're out there against guys like the Cheetah and, and, uh, you know, Jalen Waddle and, and, and those guys who just have unbelievable type of speed. We'll see. Right. I think four, three don't and four, worry seven,
0: they, The jets don't play the dolphins that much. Do they not at all? Not yeah, at all. Well, the good play news,
1: play. good news is, is he'll have Aaron Rodgers thrown at him in practice. So, yeah. uh, Good practice there.
0: If not, let's go on here. Richard Garage to the Bills. Another surprise here, Well, I I really would have expected Garage to be drafted. I saw a lot of projections for him in sixth, sixth, seventh round, but I, I would have expected him to be drafted here. Buffalo picks up another solid offensive lineman here from Florida and the third gator overall.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised at this one because Garage is a guy who, when you look at the recruiting profiles of that 2019 class or 2018 class, you go, hmm, he's one of the ones who turned into what I would almost a star, right? Like he's not a guy you looked at and said, oh, like this is a can't miss first round draft pick in the NFL, but look, I mean, Anthony Richardson and even before him, Kyle Trask weren't necessarily getting drilled all the time. When you had guys like guys like Garage out there at left tackle, and um, you know, playing that many games in the SEC, staying healthy in the SEC, like you know, Garage was able to play through pain because you don't go through a thirteen-game SEC season without. Being nicked. And so the fact that he was always out there and that he was a part of an offensive line that was able to really be physical and lead the league in rushing for the most part. I think they were right up there with Alabama the last couple of years with garage being a big part of that. And so mm-hmm. um, that's a little bit surprising, but again, I think he lands in a good spot, right? You land in a place where you've got Josh Allen, same thing as Osiris Torrance. They're going to have two guys there at the same time. So you got sort of some familiarity with one of your buddies who's there as well. Um, and then certainly I think the Buffalo has seen something in, The, the Napier offense that they like in terms of the offensive lineman, what they're doing, how they're trained to block all that sort of stuff. And so you bring in a guy like garage who, you know, quite honestly, I think a lot of us thought was going to go in the fifth or sixth round and, and, and bring him in as an undrafted free agent. He's a guy who I could see starting by the end of the year. Right, He's a guy who I think comes in in camp. You go, oh, this guy's better than we thought. He's got some limitations, but man, he's better than we thought. Now, the question there is, are you going to slide him over to right tackle? Because you don't want him going up against that defensive end there at left tackle. And in that case, he'd have to learn a new position, right? The footwork, the, excuse me, the footwork's backwards. And so, you know, that might be a big, that might be part of why he's an undrafted free agent. As people said, eh, we're going to have to move him out to right tackle. That's going to be a completely different position. How can we get, you know, how will he be able to do that? And uh, and how do we project that? So he's also, again, one of those older guys, right? And so he's probably a finished product. You're not projecting him as, oh, he's got all this athletic ability and we just need to teach him. It's He's had plenty of teaching. Now it's a question of is his athletic ability, does that translate to the NFL? Mm-hmm. And clearly um, I think there were some questions there, and that's one of the reasons why he ends up not getting drafted.
0: Well, if he does make it, you got potentially him and Osiris as two starters for one of the best offenses in, in football for the foreseeable future, at least the next few years, you would think up in Buffalo. Uh, Will, one major one major note here. We are recording this on Sunday night here, and as of now, Brenton Cox has not signed anywhere. Yeah, he didn't get drafted. Again, definitely the type of guy you would think would, someone would take a flyer on, at least in the seventh round. You're sitting there. I know there's questions about his exit from Florida. There might be questions about his exit from Georgia, too, but this is a guy that... He definitely has a, a, an elite set of skills if you can just channel it the right way and get him to do the right thing. But I know there are, hey, look, there are a lot of NFL teams that remove guys off their board for less than what Brenton Cox uh, ha, ha, has been through. So I, I'm assuming that he just wasn't a guy that made a lot of boards if he went completely undrafted there. And uh, I hope he gets a good opportunity here. I, I keep saying I would like to see him play with Belichick, I'd like to see him in New England, but has not signed as of Sunday night.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I think we've all seen the tape. He struggled and, you know, there were times where he would pop and there were times where he looked pedestrian and, you know, for all the skill set that you have, if you look pedestrian and you're you're struggling to take coaching, which uh, you know, going leaving two different programs tends to indicate that. I think I think this says something, you know, look, the coaches talk and so Kirby Smart, I'm sure, was asked. And I'm sure Billy Napier was asked. And probably Dan Mullen was asked too about about Bretton Cox. Grantham was probably asked. And Patrick Toney was probably asked. Right. And so um all of these guys have an opinion. And the question is, did that opinion color um whether he was on people's draft boards and how many draft boards he was on? And and it certainly appears so. So I think from a pure talent standpoint, you'd say, yeah, I think, you know, he probably should – you take a flyer on him late. From a productivity standpoint, though, I don't think you do. And so that's the question, right? You've got this talent profile that isn't matching the productivity. And, you know, you could say the same thing about Anthony Richardson, right, that you've got a talent profile that's not meeting the productivity, but you also don't have any of those red flags with, with Anthony Richardson. And so – um, know yeah, that combination I think I think he'll get picked up somewhere right everybody's always looking for talent at defensive end and so if there's an opportunity to bring in a pass rusher who's gonna give you four or five six sacks I think you do it but uh you know as of right now hasn't happened which
0: for the record i I think he's probably not signed anywhere because he probably does have options and he's probably weighing his decision at some point that that would be my guess on that I don't know that for sure but a guy like that. I, I again, how do you how does one team not look at that guy and go seventh round pick? Let's give it a shot. I, I kind of mind boggling on that, but Brent Cox not picked up at this point. Let's move on to six bits here, Will, and uh, we'll turn our attention up north, uh, to your hometown, as a matter of fact, which I believe they are renaming Georgia Delphia, uh, because <laughs> Howie Roseman is just stacking the Philadelphia Eagles with Georgia Bulldogs players over the last couple of years. And while it's painful on the surface, it's even more painful considering that, that Roseman is a 1997 Florida graduate while on the phone with Eagles, uh, the Eagles second first round draft pick of the night was Georgia edge. Nolan Smith Roseman didn't hold back. He said, quote, I'm a Florida Gator. Do you know how much this hurts my soul to take all these effing Georgia bulldogs? And Smith started laughing on the phone. He said, you want to win. That's why you want to win. He's like, yeah, I want to win. So, <laughs> earlier in the evening, Billy had snagged uh Jalen Carter, who had fell. And Carter, of course, at one point was projected either to go between one and three. I mean, Carter's a heck of a talent, but he's had issues off the field here. So Philadelphia, uh, with that pick that they they did trade up a spot from 10 to 9, but the pick they had acquired from New Orleans, they were in position to get Jalen Carter. Um man and that, it, that's so that's coming after last year right last year they took they they took a couple bulldogs last year in the in the 22 uh jordan 22 davis. draft jordan davis nicobe dean early on and so this time they took three bulldogs in the first 105 five picks of the a 2023 draft here and they traded for former georgia running back Deandre swift from detroit so man he's stacking up he likes what kirby smart's doing down there in athens and uh Roseman was on interview with ESPN. He said, "I'm sure I'm out of the Florida Alumni Association as we speak." So (laughs) Roseman at least acknowledges it. But uh, hey, you could you could spin it and say, uh, "There's a lot of uh, Florida, uh, Georgia Bulldogs who are working for a Gator." You could say it that way. Well, well, I I don't know. (laughs) That's about the only silver lining I see on that.
1: I mean, look. I think there were a lot of Florida guys taken in the draft, but there were a lot of elite Georgia players taken in the draft. It's not news to us that that Georgia has had good players the last two years. I mean, they're two time national champions at this point, and uh, you know, it sucks to admit that. It sucks that it's happened, but it's happened. And so, to sit there and put your head in the sand and and ostrich it and ignore it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You just say we got to catch them. And there are ways to catch them. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but um, you, know, you got to catch them. And I think Philadelphia took advantage of the fact that Jalen Carter fell because of the incident that happened after the championship parade. Um, but now you got Carter next to Davis there on on the inside of that line. Um, and look, I mean, Philadelphia, I think, is pretty set on the offensive side, goes to the Super Bowl last year, and now has has reinforced its defense with the guys they took in this particular draft. Um I I can't blame anybody for taking Georgia players. Look, I mean, it, it was amazing when you looked at that first round. It was like Alabama, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Georgia. Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. It was, it was like, you know, every once in a while they'd slip in a Clemson or slip in, you know, an LSU or something like that. But for the most part, it was just it, like that whole first round was the SEC championship game <laughs> and from two years ago and then, and then anybody who was left over this year after dra- getting them all drafted last year. Now, the one question I do have is with all the Georgia Bulldogs who got drafted – does that mean they got anybody left? Like, is it, is, can we have a year where they like take a step back because you know, they, they they've had all these guys drafted and you know, we'll see that that's maybe the silver lining. Well, is, hell, I don't care what happens with the Eagles. Like I, I mean, I live up here, but I'm, I sort of schadenfreude them. It's like when they lose, I get to like, look at my friends and go, ah. but uh, you know, so hopefully a bunch of bulldogs lose in the NFL and then the bulldogs lose in college because all these guys went to the NFL.
0: Little did we know. We've been uh, talking about their little uh, walk-on quarterback for the last couple of years here. Little did we know they were rolling with a fourth-round draft pick in the NFL. That, I, I was stunned that he went in the fourth, but interesting pick by the Rams, but uh, I, I good for him. Good for him. Definitely had two great seasons and you know Stetson Bennett he definitely this season you know he, he had some great he went toe-to-toe with C.J. Stroud I thought that Georgia Ohio State game I thought C.J. Stroud played outstanding in that game but Bennett went toe, toe, toe-to-toe with him and uh, he kept that offense cooking for Georgia all year long so that that was an interesting pick considering they just got rid of uh, Baker Mayfield out there in LA you would think if they like that style of quarterback You could have just kept Baker, but I guess it's a little cheaper to just go out and draft another guy. But Bennett seems like he'll get that opportunity out with the Rams there, Will.
1: Look, not a lot of fourth-round quarterbacks end up being major players in the NFL. I mean, I think what Kirk Cousins was taken in the third. um, You you start thinking about where these guys were taken. Not a lot of them were taken – late. I, I think you could say Heineke was somebody who was an undrafted Men- free Minshew agent. Minshew was the
0: fifth Menchu was in the yeah. yeah, so I mean again,
1: like, like eh, now he may be he may be really brilliant because he's going to start the Chase Daniel career here, where he just goes around and ends yeah. up being the back of quarterback for everybody for the next decade or something. Um, look, I mean, Stetson Bennett earned it. He played well the last two years. I think two years ago, we said we thought he was going to gack up the game against Alabama, and it turns out he did in the SEC Championship game, and then in the National Championship game, he made the plays he needed to, and last year, you know, again, again, against Ohio State, made just enough plays to win that game, and then came out and absolutely blitzkrieg TCU. We'll see how he does when he doesn't have way more talent than everybody else every week that he goes out there because that game against Missouri sticks in my head last year. Now, look, he made two big drives at the end to get to get George over the hump against, uh, against Tigers there, but uh, for the first three quarters, it was pretty ugly. So, um, you know, he's a fourth-round pick. He's he's going to get an opportunity to be on a roster. That's great. Um, I don't think he's going to be starting anytime soon. But uh, you know, if Stafford goes down and and he has an opportunity to step in, we'll see how he does. I think he's going to struggle in the NFL. I think that there are um, skills you need in the NFL that you don't necessarily need in college, and uh, you know how that translates. We'll see. But he's getting an opportunity, and we'll get we'll get to examine that in more depth as time goes on.
0: Well, plenty of other dogs drafted, but I just really want to talk about the Philadelphia angle there. So we'll, we'll we'll move on from this. We'll move on from this. Hey, at one point, let's move on to Dollar and talk about some recruiting ties with the draft. At one point, you had texted that you were looking at the 2020 class, and they had a ton, a ton of the top 30 went in the first two rounds. So throughout the weekend, I saw plenty of other interesting recruiting ties, but let's start with that point, Will. Yeah, so I looked at the top twenty-five, one through 25,
1: 17 of those guys got drafted, so 68%. These are guys who aren't eligible, like who aren't – they don't have to be eligible, right? This is three years out from the recruiting class, and so these are guys who declared early, 17 of the 25, were drafted, 8 of the 25 went in the first round. So, you're talking 68% of that top 25 got drafted, 32% got drafted in the first round. So, when we talk about top 25 commits being can't miss prospects, this is what we mean. We mean you got a seven and 10 shot that three years from now these guys are getting drafted, and you have a one and three shot that these guys are going in the first round of the NFL draft. That's a big time add to your program when you bring in that guy. And the reason I'd separate it from one to 25 is if you look at 26 to 50. You only have six of the 25 guys in that 26 to 50 who got drafted and two of the 25 in the first round. Now it is interesting that if you actually look at the average draft position, the average draft position for the top 25 is 81.6. The average draft position for the secondary 25 is 62. So it's lower. So what that tells you is that some of these guys like CJ Stroud end up leaving school early because they know they're going to be a high draft pick a guy like Jacqueline Roy from LSU ends up going, he ends up in the, in the fifth round, but then you've got tank Bigsby out of Auburn goes in the third round. You've, got Michael Meyer out of Notre Dame going in the second round. You got Jackson Smith Jigba going in the first round. So these are all high quality guys who are going really, really high. But let's be honest, the top 25 is just dominated. Like It absolutely dominated the draft. You got eight first round picks out of the top 25 of the 2020 class. And that's why we care. That's why we talk about elite prospects. You can sign guys who are in the 100 to 200 range all you want you're going to end up with the results like you do 26 through 50 and you're not going to end up with guys who, who like, you, like the guys, I think about it like Bryce young and um and, and Will Anderson from, from Alabama, those guys would have been a first round picks last year if they'd have been able to leave. Right. And so that's the kind of impact you're really looking for when you start looking at these guys is These are guys who are contributing very early on to your program. So if you want to turn around a program, that's how you do it. You do it with the top 25 guys, and thankfully, Florida's starting to get those guys, right? DJ Lagway in this 2024 class fits that profile, and they got a couple of guys who are really close who may end up working their way up into that range. Um, And and certainly you've got a a large opportunity for the guys in 26 through 50 to come through too. It's not like there's no first-round picks there but your chances of hitting a first round pick go down by half, right? I mean, you go from 68% in the first round to 24% in the first round, just going from one through 25 to 26 through 50. So when we talk about five stars and Alabama brings in seven, five stars and Georgia brings in five and then Florida brings in zero or one. And even if their average player rating is up at 92, it's it's still just like you're you've got guys who are NFL quality guys before their eligibility has run out versus what we saw this year right where we've got Anthony Richardson coming in he's one of those guys who who did go early and was in this 2020 class right and so um you know he's one of those outliers but if you're relying on outliers you're going to struggle and and that's sort of what we've seen is when you play a team like Georgia you're getting all of these guys from Georgia and Ohio State and Alabama who come out there and are ready for the NFL while you're still developing to be ready for the NFL. And that's why these teams keep winning.
0: Let's build on that point there from Bud Elliott, 24-7 sports. He said, the last four schools to win a national title have averaged 10 top 50 selections in the following two NFL drafts. I mean, if that doesn't make it as clear as day, I don't know what does, Well. I mean, I, I think at this point,
1: anybody who's denying that recruiting is critical is uh, is delusional. The question then becomes, how critical, right? And and where does that drop off come? And you know, the, the stat that I've cited is the one I put in an article maybe a month or two ago, where I was looking at the teams that make that win the national championship and make the actual championship game, and it was like the top five recruiting classes ever since the playoff, or the top five recruiting programs by average player rating ever since. The playoff came into existence, have won every national title and have gotten every have won every semifinal game except for two in terms of like getting to the finals. Right. There's only been two teams that have been outside of that top five. And those two teams that made it happened to make it because in the final four, they got two teams that weren't in the top five. Right. So Michigan wasn't in the top five of the uh, of the recruiting rankings. And TCU was not in the top five of the recruiting rankings. TCU makes the final, but they never had to, but they never had to play a team that was in the top five. And then when they did, we kind of saw what happened. So that's why the Michigan States of the world and the Michigans of the world even have struggled when they have made it to the playoff because these teams are just different. And we see that over and over and over again. We see it with recruiting rankings. We see it with wins. We see it with playoff appearances. We see it with championships. And now we're seeing it with the NFL draft. It's just the same story over and over and over again. It's not now, look, I think you can do different things to try to bring in these elite recruits. I think the transfer portal maybe opens up some different avenues to build But let's not kid ourselves. You need to build with these types of guys. And this is one of the reasons why snagging five-star guys in the transfer portal doesn't appeal to me as much as snagging a five-star guy at a high school because the five-star guy in the transfer portal should be one of these guys who's making it through. And in fact, if you go through the list, Demarcus Bowman is on this list of guys who were not drafted, who was a five-star commit to Clemson. That's a guy who was a miss. Eli Ricks is a guy who was at LSU, who I think is transferred out of there, ended up transferring to, to Alabama. He still hasn't made his way into the NFL draft yet. So when you see a guy who's transferring out, it's not just because he's behind somebody else. It's because he's not that can't miss guy who, after his sophomore year, you're sitting there going, Oh, that guy would be a first round draft pick if he left right now. I think the last guy Florida had in that mold was probably CJ Henderson. Like he's a guy who, after his sophomore year, we went, Oh, that guy would be drafted if he could come out right now. And Florida needs four or five of those guys on the team to compete with the rest of the SEC. And, you know, obviously the 2024 class is the first step towards getting that done. But the 2023 and 2022 classes have not done what they needed to do to get Florida back into that upper echelon.
0: We may finally get to see some DeMarcus Bowman this year in Orlando at UCF, so we'll see We'll see if that happens there. Uh, a couple other tidbits from Bud Elliott. Anthony Richardson is the first quarterback drafted in the top four off a college team with a losing record since Purdue's Jim Everett in 1985. I feel like uh, Bud, the Florida State, and Bud just comes out sometimes, doesn't it? Will that's an think interesting. That's, that's fact
1: Chris. Here. That's Chris Everett, right?
0: Say it again. Say Chris <laughs> again.
1: We're too old. Nobody's going to understand that reference. If Go anyone, check it out YouTube.
0: Jim, Jim Rome. Rome. Jim Rome. Yeah, he would always call Jim Rome. Always called Jim Everett, Chris Everett, the tennis player, and uh, and Jim. I, I guess uh, yeah. Jim Everett didn't take it kindly. Challenged him to say it again in front of his face, and then you the. It's just staggering how much taller Jim Everett is than Jim Rome, too. That that was one of the funniest parts about that, too. I think you listen to Rome's show, and people bring that situation up about, what, once a week at least still to this day? I mean, I didn't even know
1: Rome was still on the radio. So, uh, so that's – or, I mean, podcast, I guess these I, days. But, yeah,
0: um. yeah, I, I, I listen to Rome through college and stuff. I, I, they would bring that up a lot. But, yeah, that's a great situation. Jim Everett and uh, Jim Rome. Look that up if you haven't seen it. Uh, to another fact here from Bud Elliott. Two fat power five teams won 10 games in 2022 and did not have a player selected in the top four rounds, both Washington and FSU.
1: Well, we just talked about the recruiting aspect of things in Florida state. You know, I said this at the end of last year and I I still mean it now. I would rather be in Florida's situation with Billy Napier than in Florida State's situation with Mike Norvell. Norvell may win more games this year, but Norvell is not going to win more games in the long run, considering Florida is running heads and tails around him on the recruiting trail. At some point, that's going to catch up with Norvell, and and they're going to start losing. And I think we, we've we seen them lose a lot. We saw them turn it around with, with having Jordan Travis last year at quarterback. If Travis ends up having a substandard year or if he ends up getting injured, I hope he doesn't, but if he ends up getting injured, then you're going to see him go right back to the six and six team that we saw two years ago against Florida, where that might've been the most boring Florida Florida state game I've ever seen where Richardson came in with a bum knee leading Florida to like seven points. That ends up being the difference in the game. Emory Jones was awful in that one. Travis was awful in that one. And what was it, like 17, 14, they had the missed onside kick. <laughs> the guy just completely whiffed on the onside kick. Yeah. Like we're not that far from that game. For uh, for for Mike Norvell. So this idea that the idea that Florida State is like way above and beyond where anybody should think. All right. And the other thing is, is that he's, he's far enough along at this point that the guys he brought in three or three years ago should be starting to make their way to the NFL. And the fact that they haven't yet said something about the long term stability of that program. There were a lot of people when Florida was going 10 and three and 11 and two who were who were throwing dirt at me and saying that the recruiting talk was too much, and that Mullen could find his way around that and all that sort of stuff, and in some ways, you know look, I mean he was able to win twenty one games in those first two years, and so he he was able to to get around some of those deficiencies. 2020 it started to catch up 2021 it definitely caught up that same thing's going to happen in Norvell at Florida State and we're seeing it in the NFL draft is um you know if the NFL doesn't want your players eventually you're going to cap out at nine or ten wins and maybe that's good enough for Florida State and maybe they can maintain that but you know the idea that they're going to be in the playoff year after year after year because they're slowly building to something I think it's misplaced unless they end up with an elite
0: quarterback who can lead them there we had several very painful fsu games to watch this this past decade uh, the 27 to 2 game stands out to me i was at the game too where uh, uh the 2013 the 2013 team smacked us kelvin uh, benjamin just went off that was a pretty rough game too we not a great decade for the florida florida state game yeah,
1: I, I was at that Treon game with the safety being the only points and uh <laughs> All often. I remember from that is the first game I ever took my daughter to, and uh, I told her in the first half that she could have cotton candy in the second half. And by the time the second half came around, I went, well, I don't want to watch this crap anyway. I'll go find it. And the swamp was out; they didn't have any cotton candy, so I have an I had an angry <laughs> child on my hands, so uh, that's my memory from that one. I, I mean, I had a great time with her. She, she, she enjoyed it, and and we had a good time. I've t- my my. Oldest boy I took, and he he just didn't take to it. But the youngest boy I took last year when he was seven, he took to it. So we're um, we we got we're two for three now at this point.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was a no cotton candy for you type of day. Uh, <laughs> per on three Twitter, SEC led the way with 62 players drafted. Big 10, 55. ACC, 32. Big 12, 30. And the Pac-12 had 27 players drafted in this year's draft. Well, I, I don't think this is new information, but you just see the – it's not just what's on the field on Saturdays that you look at the SEC and the Big Ten as two conferences that are pulling away, but further evidence that this is where the talent resides in, in college football. Just means more, man. It really does. <laughs> All right. SEC slogan from Will Miles there. All right. Sounds good. Hey, Will, where can people get the magazine and when can they uh do their pre-order for? Yep.
1: So read and com slash mag that's read and com slash mag pre-orders until May 8th. We'll still be taking orders after that, but then we're not going to guarantee that you'll get it by Memorial Day. Um, We'll be doing another push there before Father's Day as well, I'm sure. So, um, but you know, hey, pre-order it now. Get it for your dad. Get it for your brother. Get it for the the whatever Mother's Day's coming up. Get it for get it for your wife if or your or your mother if you think she'd like it. Um it's gonna be 70 pages, fortigators only. Um, you know, a lot of these preseason magazines, we love them. They're fun, but it's a page or two for your favorite team. This is gonna be 70 pages for your favorite team. So again, go over there to readreaction.com slash mag. It's readingreaction.com slash M A G. Check it out, help us out. We appreciate it. The more the more the more you guys pre-order it, the more confident we have to continue doing this the second year we've done it and certainly uh you know we're hoping to be able to do it year after year after year but want to make sure that it, uh, makes sense given the amount of time we got to put into it
0: yeah 70 pages of a florida gators 2023 season preview well we will do a lot of deep dives the type of stuff you see from will and i all the time in that magazine uh the link is below in the description thanks a lot for joining another episode of stand up and holler for will miles i'm nick newton have a great week everybody and go gators
1: Hey everybody! Thanks for listening to Stand Up and Holler. If you're interested in more information from me and Nick, you can go over to readandreaction.com. You can like and subscribe our YouTube channel here at Read and Reaction, or you can go to patreon.com/readandreaction to support us, get extra information, and we do ask anything over there every once in a while as well. So check us out! Thanks for listening.